0: Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and you've guessed it. This is where we talk about money. And it is my mission to empower you, to help you make the best financial decisions possible. Why? Because money is a tool, life is for living. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. How are we doing? So we've had an amazing week of weather, and it feels as though the weather has kind of like turned its tide and, uh, we're having reports of flooding uh, in the city, and um, this is this correlates a little bit to what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the the stock market. It feels as though anywhere that you look right now, social media, certainly on YouTube, or maybe just because I follow obviously financial content on YouTube, um, that there is a lot of talk about market correction. I have spoken about this a number of times on the YouTube channel, but I don't think I've spoken about it here on the podcast for some time. So what I thought I'd do is just take uh, a few minutes, well, take this episode, which will be longer than a few minutes, just to uh, give my thoughts on possible market crashes. Is it something that we should be worried about as an investor? Uh, what are the key things we need to, to be looking at? Now, I think it's safe to say that through lockdown and through what has been a very uh, difficult time from an economic, personal, professional, financial point of view for many people and certainly for the nation with us obviously being locked down, not being able to live life the way we've been used to over the last years. I mean this is probably one of the only times in modern history where it's certainly in the last decade or two where there have been restrictions on our liberties and naturally When that kind of thing happens, you would expect that things like economies and stock markets also have a uh, negative impact. But what we have found is that even through the pandemic, a lot of the markets actually reacted positively. And yes, you can argue that there's quantitative easing and all of this stuff that has propped up the markets. That is absolutely true. But what we do know is that the markets are sometimes they have a mind of their own, right? They do what they want to do and sometimes they don't follow logic. And so as we have come out of lockdown now, well, at least we've had freedoms for the last week or so now, many people are looking at the reaction of the UK market and saying, well, the markets are going to be doomed moving forward, all this kind of stuff. And I've watched a few videos and and heard a few people's thoughts on that idea. Now, it's not one that I would completely say that I don't necessarily agree with. I think that the markets as a whole um, are facing some challenges. I think when you start to drill down into uh, regional markets, so the US market or the UK market, then you can start to pull out certain factors, certain things that catalyze these uh, drops or falls in the markets. And I'm going to use the UK market and the American stock market as As the examples in this conversation that we're going to have in this episode. So what I want to address here is, you know, is the stock market going to crash and what you need to know and what you need to do about it? Now, look, the the, the honest answer to this is we have no idea what is going to happen with the market moving forward. I think most of the time when we look at the market crashing, people have been saying this for the last year two, we are way overdue a big market correction. And what we have found is that when you look at things like the S&P 500, for example, where I've just invested some money over the last year, I think it's something something like 40% up on where it was last year. I can actually get the numbers actually, bear me one second. So I was looking at this a little bit earlier on. So the S&P 500, which by the way, is the top 500 companies in the United States, Okay. On what date is this? This is the 19th of February. So this is just before the, the, the pandemic breaking last year. Now, this is the highest high point before the markets kind of trailed off a little bit there. The S&P was trading at 3,386. Okay. Guess where that number is today? That number is at four thousand four hundred and seventeen, so it is up massively. It's up over eleven hundred points. And when you look at the FTSE 100, in contrast, the FTSE 100 has not performed well in any way, shape, or form. The FTSE 100 is actually down quite significantly. Well, I wouldn't say quite significantly. It's not like it's, you know, a thousand points down. It is down. So the highest point of the FTSE 100 before the uh, before the dip. So this is, again, on the 19th of February, 2020, the FTSE was trading at 7,457. The FTSE at this point in time, out of me recording this on Sunday evening, is 7,022. Okay, now, if you followed me on Instagram or, you know, social media, you would have known that I kind of said that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the FTSE 100 went to, you know, sub five or so. And I think the lowest that we fa- that we saw the FTSE fall to in the announcement of the pandemic and everything going into lockdown, the lowest point, I believe, was just above. Actually, no, it was 4000. Is that right? Let me just let me just zoom into this chart. I'm looking at a chart whilst I'm speaking and recording this. So the lowest point that we found for the FTSE 100 was 4,993. That's what I've got in this chart right here. And that was a byproduct of number one, market sentiment, because market sentiment is really, really important. Confidence around the markets. That's really, really important when you're looking at investing. And so what I'm trying to point out here is that, you know, if you look at the the UK market, we're trading below what our high was prior to the pandemic. If you look at the S&P 500, well, it is outperformed. Now, I think it's really important to understand why that is. I mean, the, the, the FTSE 100 is the top, one, top 100 com- companies in the UK, right? A lot of these companies will be um, multinational, so they'll have their earnings in euros, they have their euros in multi-currencies, uh, essentially. But you cannot compare the UK market to the US market. The US market is the giant. The US market has all of the big tech firms in there. Facebook, Google, Amazon, Tesla. It's got all of those guys there. We don't really have our own tech sector. And I I honestly look at this, right? You look at the data, I promise you right now, you look at the data and you're going to have a look at the US markets and go and see what the best performing sector in the US markets has been. I guarantee you right now has been the tech sector over the last 12 months, hands down, because those guys have absolutely killed it. So when we start talking about, right, is the market actually going to crash? Should you be concerned? what you should actually do, it is really, really important not just to look at numbers and look at numbers in isolation. We need to understand what is actually going on. Now, are there threats to the markets moving forward? Absolutely, there are. Let's bring it home for a second. We just had Freedom Day last week, okay? What happened on Freedom Day? The markets crashed about 2.3, 2.5% 2.3, 2.5% here in the UK. That's not necess- it's not a crash. I shouldn't use that word crash. But the, the markets fell, 2.5%. Now you would think that because we had Freedom Day and Freedom Day signifies everybody getting back to, 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 to work, right? Business resuming as usual, so on and so forth, that the market and market confidence would mean that the FTSE 100 and UK markets would surge. What we found, what we found happened is the exact opposite. Why? Because we've had huge numbers in COVID cases. We, for the first time in a very long time, reported 50,000 new cases in one day. In one day. We haven't done that for a very, very long time. You combine that with the fact that, you know, also looking at, you know, some of the domestic issues that we have here, you know, the markets did not feel as confident about that. You look at the inflation numbers; inflation is way higher than what is has been predicted. I mean, the the target for inflation is two percent. We're over and above that, and there are fears that inflation is going to reach four percent by the end of this year. We know that these are all material issues that we're going to be facing right now. But I think, even though, on Freedom Day, the market the market falls. I was going to use the word crashes falls two and a half percent, we need to ensure that we're not just looking at that one headline and using that as the barometer or the main factor in our investment decisions. I mean look yes we do need to have a look at those those numbers but we need not to look at those numbers just in isolation. There are so many other things to actually be considered within this as well. Now I wish that I could say that the US is completely immune to you know, COVID and issues that they're facing, but they do have their own issues as well. You know, the Delta variant is surging in the the States right now. In places like California, where, you know, they'd relaxed some of the laws, got back to normal, and they've done it in a a really responsible way, way in comparison to other parts of the United States, they're back wearing masks now. So the Delta variant does present its own set of problems from a economic lockdown management point of view when it comes to COVID, both here and both in and in the States. I mean, this is going to be an ongoing problem that we are going to face. But here's the crux of it. We will have to get used to operating in this world now with COVID. And I personally feel as though the markets are going to have a lot of this risk already factored in, which means that even though we, will, we may see you know, uh, increasing cases and we don't even know what's going to be happening towards the end of this year with flu season when it gets a bit colder and whether we're going to see huge surges in cases back then. But I do believe that the markets are going to have to price a lot of this in. And I think that the markets have priced to a certain degree some of this already in to the stock market and some of the future growth that we're here to expect. Now, Inflation is one thing because I think with inflation, it's all about interest rates and whether interest rates will increase increase over the short or long term. Whether the Bank of England takes a view to say, you know what, we're going to introduce some really sharp interest rates, which I don't believe that they will because that will be too much of a shock to the system. They're likely to increase in interest rates at slow intervals, albeit quickly if they need to. So I think these are really important factors that we need to understand. But Underlying all of this, should you be worried, and should it really affect you as an investor, and whether you should invest into the markets? Now, I've just put ten thousand pounds into the S and P five hundred. Why? Because no matter how you cook it, no matter how you shake it, no matter how you try to strip it, the American market is still the biggest in the world. Period. And I've, show, I've just mentioned numbers on the S&P 500, from 3,300 to 4,400, even in the midst of the pandemic. Yes, okay, we can ask, argue the Fed's doing a lot to obviously pop up the market, so on and so forth, but let's get to the core of what the S&P 500 is. The S&P 500 are the top 500 companies in the world, really. That's what I bought. That's what I wanted exposure to. Because no matter how you cook it, no, ma- no matter how you strip it, no matter how you cut this up, the 500 strongest companies in the world will be fine. That is my that is my firm belief. They will be fine. Because in those 500, you have Apple, richest company on the planet, 2.2 trillion market cap. You know you compare that to the FTSE 100, the FTSE 100, the mar- the total market cap of the FTSE 100 is, is something like 1.8 trillion. If I'm correct, pretty sure that's the number, one point eight one or one point eight four trillion, I believe. So Apple alone is bigger than the entire FTSE one hundred. So for me, I wanted access to the top five hundred companies in the world, the Apples, the Teslas, the uh, Walmart, the Targets, the Coca Cola, the Johnson and Johnson, the Amazons, the Disneys. You know, I wanted access to those guys because within the S and P five hundred, you are going to get a huge amount of sector diversification. Sector diversification meaning that whilst I will have access to tech, which has probably propped up the US market if you go and have a look at it over the last 12 months, yes, I'm getting some tech, but I'm not just buying tech. I'm buying, you know, financials, I'm buying pharmaceuticals, healthcare, I'm buying consumer staples, I'm buying into those sectors as well. And within the S&P 500, you're also going to have a large number of dividend aristocrats in there as well. So companies that have continuously been paying dividends to their investors and increased their dividends consistently over the last 25 years. That's what a dividend aristocrat is. So when I'm sitting there thinking, "Okay, I've got 10K that I know I should be doing more with where am I going to go? I'm going to go for the S&P 500. Now, don't get me wrong. This doesn't make mean that I've got the perfect strategy because yes, I'm buying the top 500 companies in the world and yes, yes, I'm getting sector diversification, but that approach in itself isn't perfect because one thing that I don't get is I don't get global diversification by buying the S&P 500. What I mean by global diversification is I don't have any, um, any exposure to the US, uh, to the UK, sorry. I don't have any exposure to Europe. I don't have any exposure to emerging markets. I don't have any exposure to uh, the Asia Pacific. I don't have any exposure to any of those. i put all of my eggs betting on the US economy, betting on the 500 biggest companies in the world that are all based in the United States. So there are positives. There are negatives to this approach. Here's also another positive and negative as well, if you want to have a look at what I've just done. And again, guys, please do not take this as financial advice. In no way am I telling you to go and put your money into the S&P 500. I'm simply just sharing what I've done with a view of how I view the markets at this point in time moving forward. And I'll come to a conclusion at the end of this. Now, there was another downside. Many people will argue and it is, a, it is a just argument that you are going to be paying over the odds right now to invest in the S&P 500 because you could argue that there's been a lot of money pumped into that market over the last 12 months, which is why it's gone from 3,300 to 4,400, okay? And yes, within that, you've had some really good quarterly returns and so on and so forth. So forth. But you know, in order for the market to grow like that, volumes have had to be introduced and and put into that market. So you could argue that maybe, maybe, maybe it's in a bit of a bubble right now. So you're going to be paying over the odds to invest in the S&P 500. However, many people will argue, well, actually that the US market, the UK market, the UK market that is guys, the UK market is undervalued right now, which means that There will be a ton of companies that you could buy right now in the UK market, the FTSE 100, the FTSE 250, the FTSE All Share that are undervalued. And if you don't know what that term means, it's like going to the market, knowing something is worth £10 and you you being able to pick it up for like five quid. That's undervalued. Many people argue that that's the game and that's the opportunity in the UK markets right now. Now, whether or not you invest in the UK markets versus the the US market is really going to be down to your goals and your investment strategy. Because the the, the truth of this is that the UK market is much, much smaller than the US. We do have our own issues. We've got inflation issues. We have Brexit, which is still something that we've not really come to terms with or really seen the the massive impact. It's gone uh, by the wayside because of COVID and everything that's happened over the last 18 months or so. We have our own domestic issues. And whilst the market might be undervalued and a great place to pick up a really good number of deals, the question is going to be, do you have the patience to wait for it to return the amount that you want? many people will view the US market as more of uh, a, uh, how can I say this? I don't want to use the word sure thing, because there there is no such thing as a sure thing in the US market. But let's just put it this way, there is more confidence in the US market because of its size, and the players in that market than there are in the UK market, many people will argue. And certainly for me, when I look at, you know, investing, I want to invest in the biggest companies. And unfortunately, they are in the United States. So there is an argument to say that you've got overvalued stocks in the US, which I believe is true to a certain extent, and you also have undervalued stocks here in the UK, which is absolutely true. There are some of the companies you can pick up right now, you can really pick up for a bargain. What it boils down to here is confidence. How confident do you feel in your investment? And in order for you to really answer this question in its full, contextual manner and with the right contextual intent is to really go back and actually have a look at number one what your goals are and everything that is associated with that level of risk you're looking to invest for how long you look you're looking to invest for all of this good stuff right you have to know this you have to be very very keen with this because regardless of what people are saying out there market crash this market crash that you know, you need, you need to be prepared for this crash and all this kind of stuff. The reality, the reality is we don't know what is going to happen. We could have a market for the next two years that continues to surge and does not crash in the next two years. That is very, very plausible. It's been happening, has happened. It may continue to happen. But we're hearing all these this noise about market crash, potential market crash. And many people, many people use that as a sign as to, oh, I don't want to invest right now because... Mm, I might lose money, which is why your goals are very, very important. Understanding what level of risk you're willing and able to take is very, very important. Investing is always going to be a long term game. And with investing, your capital is at risk. This is the risk that you take. Nothing is a sure thing. So the likelihood is you've got a 50-50% chance going into this knowing you're going to make money and lose money. I've always said this with investing, there is ways that you can stack the odds in your favour so you can move it from 50-50 to, right, I've got 6% chance I'm going to win money, uh, make money here, 40% chance I'm going to lose money. That's the whole point, right, to understand your goals, understand your timeline, understanding what, what level of risk you're willing to take and try to play around with your strategy accordingly. But with this, nobody really knows what is going to happen. The market could tank tomorrow. True story, it could tank tomorrow we don't know. The question is, if you're going to put money in, are you happy for that to happen? Can you stomach the loss? Do you have enough money behind you? Emergency fund? Do you have a good source of income with disposable income to pop you up if that were to happen? If the answer to that is no, then maybe you should get out the kitchen. You shouldn't be in into this investing right now. These are important things. If the answer to that is yes, then fantastic but cut your cloth accordingly don't go all in just because oh my god we can make a load of money right here no we have to be very very mindful and very very vigilant of this and be mindful that yeah this is a long term game and if you want to answer the the real question of what should you do with all of this news about market correction market not correcting but assuming that the market does correct well what do you do? If you're investing for the long term, what do you have to do? You don't have to do anything if you've invested for the long term. Because if you've invested for the long term, you know that this is a 10, 15, 20 year time horizon. If the market crashes tomorrow, it does not matter. It's a blip in the road in your overall journey. If anything, a market crash should hopefully, especially if your pound cost averaging in, so paying money in on a monthly basis give you the opportunity for growth. Now, many people will say, well, should I stop? And I've kind of already alluded to this. Should I just not invest right now and just wait? It's so all about time in the market in opposed to time in the market. It's almost impossible to do. I did a video last week on YouTube where I talked about, obviously, my investment into the S&P 500. And I did a, a comparison of if you invest 10,000 pounds one go, and you get an average return, I think I use the number 9% over a 10-year period of time, you're going to essentially double your money. Your £10,000 will be worth something like 23000 something like that. If you pound cost averaged £100 in over that same period of time with the same nine, average 9% return, you're only going to end up with about £17,000. So the, the statistics tell us that if you've got a lump sum, you're better off investing the lump sum all in one go. But if you haven't got the lump sum, then you might as well just pound-cost average in. But the, the, the key thing to remember here, guys, is this is a long-term game. This is not about short-termism. If it's short-termism, yes, you're going to get hurt by a market correction if it happens. If it's long-term, you probably don't care because you will have the time to ride out the crash if it were to happen. But the big question is when? will it happen? We don't know. If I had the sports almanac, I'd be able to tell every single one of you when to invest, where to invest, what to invest in. I'd be a trillionaire. You guys can be billionaires or millionaires. But the reality is that I don't know. Nobody knows. And so if you're looking at YouTube and looking at Instagram and looking at all of these um, outlets right now where you're getting your financial education from, and all you're hearing is stock market crash, stock market crash, stock market crash, stock market crash. Then I think you just need to take a moment and just ask yourself some very fundamental questions. First, how is your house set up? And by your house, I mean finances. Are you living paycheck to paycheck or do you have good disposable income? Do you have an emergency fund? So if you don't have an emergency fund, you shouldn't be investing. said this before on the podcast, I'll say it again right now. You should not be investing if you don't have an emergency fund. So just pass it off for the time being. And this is another thing. People think if they're not investing right now, they're going to miss out. Trust me, the markets are going to be here in six months time when you get your emergency fund together. So don't YOLO yourself and then FOMO yourself into trouble. Yeah. The markets will be here in six months. So go and get your emergency fund before you dip your toe in this water. All right. So good control over your money. Do you have that? Do you have disposable income? Do you have an emergency fund? If the answer to all of those three things are yes, then yeah. Okay. Have you got a lump sum? If you have, put it in. If you haven't, pound cost average it. You might have a lump sum and still think, well, Pete, there's no way I'm going to put a lump sum into the stock market right now if the markets might crash. I don't have the stomach for it. Okay, then pound cost averaging. You get to decide what you do. And again, this is not advice. I'm simply just sharing you my views. But you need to think about this logically. So get your house in order, first and foremost. The second thing you need to be thinking about is why you're doing this. What is your goal? So you are investing, are you investing for the short term? Are you investing for the long term? Are you investing for something very specific? And when I say a goal, many people think, like, I just want to be rich. No, you need a very specific goal. When I say specific, I mean, right, if I'm saving for school, ch- my children's school fees, okay, how much is the school fee is going to cost? 200,000, 100,000, 150,000 pounds. Okay, cool. That is very specific. You need that specificity to understand what you need to do to get there. So you need to have your goal. You need to be very, very clear on that. How long are you investing for? If you're investing for the long term, well, market crash doesn't matter. Like I've already said, and I've said so many times on this podcast, market crash doesn't matter in a long term investment strategy. If you're investing for two two to three years, you shouldn't be in the stock market investing game. And I'll say this again, two to three years, if you're investing for two to three years, you should not be invested in the stock market. It is way too short a timeline. You are running too much of a risk that you'll lose money. You've got a one in three chance, two in three chance that the market does well in those two years. If you can have one good year, if you have two bad years, you're done. So you need to have two good years. And hopefully your third year, if it's bad, isn't really, really bad. So two to three years, don't even bother investing, go find something else. Just literally don't bother. If you're investing for three years plus, okay, well, how long is it? Three years, five years? Because again, that's very, very different. You need to know whether you're investing long-term, short-term, because that will really decide your investment strategy. All right, so very key things for you to answer. And if you can't answer those questions, then you need to go back to the drawing board, guys, because the more you go and consume content out here on YouTube and podcasts and Instagram, you're just going to be really, really confused around what it is that you actually need to be doing yourself. So make sure you can answer those questions. You can answer those questions robustly and you have a really good answer for those questions. If you haven't, if you haven't, you need to have one. So there it is, guys. That's the episode for today. I hope you found that useful. Um, I'm mindful. Obviously, we talk about stock market and sometimes I feel like I'm a broken record, but There are new listeners joining in every single week, I'm sure. So guys, have an amazing week, whatever it is that you're doing. Remember, money's a tool, life is for living. I will catch you later on. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you. New to investing? Check out Peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need. If you prefer one-on-one coaching, book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes.